0: Welcome to the Carveline Tech Service Podcast, the go-to industrial coatings podcast. Here are your hosts, Jack Walker and Paula Jamis.
1: All right, Paul, so that was different. Yeah, I think I like this new style. I don't have to say the same thing every time anymore.
0: No, let's see how this works. So I'm Jack and Paul. Special thanks to our guest Announcer.
1: Yeah, we thought about doing a competition to uh, see if you can identify who this person is. So we're not going to tell you yet, but the clue is you probably aren't going to know unless you're an employee at Carbaline. Yeah, that could be. Although she does deal with external customers. Yeah. So maybe not anyway that's kind of our newer more professional sounding intro as this episode airs you have like five more days of dominance how do you feel <laughs> <laughs> see how i left that intentionally vague and weird on purpose
0: uh, yeah no that's i was gonna i was gonna ask what what do you actually mean i i don't know i don't i don't think i even dominate my chair uh, you're not the boss
1: of me now isn't thats uh, is that a song or a saying or a, like i don't know i feel like a
0: yeah Yeah,
1: I've heard that somewhere. That's a thing. (laughs) So anyway, Paul, how do they get a hold of us if they actually want to talk to us?
0: Oh, yeah. Hey, you can reach us at technicalservice at carboline.com. Jack's on the Twitter at jack underscore ctsp, and I'm at paul underscore ctsp.
1: All right, Paul. So uh, winter's upon us. Winter is here. Wait. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. So you can tell I've watched uh, a whole season and a half. Yeah. Jack's a slacker. Well, I'm going to say something that's controversial here. I don't care. Uh, I never, I mean, like, none of the characters that I ever get attached to enough to, like.
0: See, the problem, though, is once you get through those first couple of episodes in that first season and things start to make a little bit of sense. Mm hmm. That was the hook. Once I got there, it was it was a winter of binging.
1: I don't know. They took my favorite character and made her a crazy dragon breathing eating thing. And I was just like, okay, that's
0: weird. Yeah, but spoiler alert. Yeah. She makes it to the end.
1: So there is a little bit of motivation to watch the whole show. Yeah, see? We thought it was a good time to review some of the cold weather basics. I mean, we obviously talked about in episode... Four zero four <laughs> <This> is yeah <laughs> wow ninety seven episodes ago we talked
0: about this, so you know, a little refresher, yeah, and really, it's one of those things of you can never hit all the topics that are important for considering cold weather work, and you can never hear it too many times
1: so let's let's think about this first, previously, we talked about additives and additives. In this episode, here's what I want you to understand about additives. There are additives that speed up the cure process. There are additives that will give you a little bit of flexibility on your bottom line temperature. But for the most part, that's all there is about
0: additives. Yeah.
1: Oh, one more thing about additives. More doesn't equal more. Oh, that's true. Put in the recommended amount. Double the recommended amount doesn't. It get doesn't you... mean double the increase. Correct. It means double the likelihood that you're you going to have, have a... a problem. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there we go. It's yeah. Like we've done said that before already.
1: All right. <laughs> so that's all there really is to cover about additives. But what I want to talk about is a little bit about some of the a little bit more. what are the effects yeah less in the forefront kind of concepts uh for people one of the things i want to talk about is we're always dealing with product viscosity when we deal with our uh you know applying industrial coatings so just general rule of thumb the hotter they are the less viscous they are that means they're thinner they flow better the colder they are the opposite so You can have a great effect on your material just by changing the temperature of the material. That's right.
0: And so that can happen (laughs) from multiple different ways. One of them is, you know, we're in the Midwest here in St. Louis. It's starting to get cold overnight. If your material is not being kept in a somewhat climate-controlled area, last night we were down into the low 40s
1: here. Yep, so guess what that means about your material?
0: Your material is pretty close to the low 40s in the morning when you get to work. And thick paint is going to have slower to get to that temperature. But if you have your thinner sitting outside, and you wake up, you open up your bucket, and your, maybe your bucket was warm, but your thinner was sitting out in the cold. Well, your thinner's 40 degrees, and you just shocked your paint by dumping cold thinner into your warm paint.
1: Yeah, so it's a really good idea to precondition your material, even if that preconditioning is just storing it. In some kind of climate controlled area. And now not everybody can store it in a climate controlled area. So you're going to have some struggles first thing in the morning as you get kicked off.
0: Yeah. And when we talk about storing your materials, that includes your pumps, your hoses, your thinner, your paint, anything that you're going to use with the job. If you can get it more to what is called phrase, I'm I'm a chemist, STP, standard temperature and pressure. If you can get those to anything like a standard temperature that you're going to normally work at which you know everybody that's that's 75 degrees. So the warmer away from 40, 30, 20 whatever your overnight temperature is the better you start with, the better your daily output is going to be.
1: Now, Paul, you know real world situations. I'm I'm going to play the role of the contractor.
0: Here for <laughs> All right. A second.
1: There ain't no way I'm going to store my stuff. You mean I got to bring a climate controlled uh, trailer on site just so I can spray your materials? I'm calling somebody else.
0: Now, now, Jack, really? If you really listened, I said the closer to that. I don't need you to be ideal. But if your overnight gets down into the 30s and you were in a garage, happened to just be, you know, attached to a building that had heat, the garage doesn't have to have heat. Your garage is probably gonna be in the sixties. That's a great starting point if your overnight low was in the twenties, thirties.
1: And I think that comes to another thing that like everybody needs to realize and not just immediately dis dismiss opinions or, or thought processes is like, look, we realize the real world, there's there's things that happen. However, what we are trying to constantly do is help you to minimize potential That's issues. Right. So you might Pull your material up that's been sitting outside overnight. It's now reached 40 degrees. It might be below its recommended cure temperatures and application temperatures, and you might be fine. Yep. Yep, you you really might. However, what you've done is increase the probability that you're going to have a problem. And those problems, they happen. Yeah. They don't happen all the time. But we are always constantly trying to put you in a
0: position to reduce the probability and one of the things that you're going to see happen is you're going to open up that bucket cold material you dump the thinner in just like you always do you put your mixer in and your material still doesn't move and it still doesn't mix well the normal process that commonly happens is you dump in more thinner two glugs wasn't enough let's try four now, all of a sudden, you're putting paint onto whatever the surface is that you're doing, and you're not getting the dry film thickness that you thought you were going to get, or you're getting runs and sags. Part of that problem is coming from maybe the over-thinning that you did, maybe the material of the temperature. Sometimes the build of a coating, how thick you're able to put it on all at one time, is related to the reaction that happens when you put the A and the B together. That reaction generates heat. And sometimes if you have overcompensated for thick material by adding additional thinner or doing something else, and then that heat starts to go, well, now all of a sudden you have a dramatically different property of the paint on the wall. It's going to cause you future problems as it tries to dry. In
1: most cases, it generates heat, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. All right. It's that time again. It's
1: everybody's favorite part of the
0: Carbolane Tech Service podcast, or
1: I will say of life. It's bill paying time. Every, everybody likes paying
0: bills, right? Well, you know, something like that. They like having them paid. Lots
1: of money, no money. Anyway, so every month we bring you a commercial where we talk about one of the Carboline products and This month is a brand new product from Carbolane that we're both very excited about. It's the Placite 4550HT.
0: The 4550HT is a 98% solids Novolac epoxy. One of the great things that we have done with this product, we left the blush out. This is a plurally applied Novolac that truly, like... The application properties
1: are amazing, and it cures down to 20F. Another great feature of this product is it has extremely high temperature resistance. Now that's dry temperature resistance. It's resistant up to 350 degrees Fahrenheit.
0: And just in our application work as we were doing it, this product sprays like a dream.
1: It really does. If you have been having challenges with the high solids Novolac, we highly encourage you to check out the brand new Placite 4550HT. Yeah. So then the other thing I want to talk about too is freezing of materials. We're going to separate all of our materials and all of the materials in the world into two categories for this discussion. Water-based and not water-based. <laughs> okay. Okay, all I right. can buy that one. All right. All right. This is this is the oversimplification here. Water freezes at what
0: temperature, Paul? 32 degrees Fahrenheit.
1: Which is zero degrees Celsius. So if your paint falls below that temperature, what is likely to happen?
0: It's probably going to freeze. Your water-based paint. Water-based paint paint will probably freeze. Yep.
1: Now, what happens then? Sometimes nothing. Sometimes. But for the most part, water-based materials are the ones you have to worry about freezing. Unless you live at the North Pole with Santa Claus, most of the other materials, their freezing points are so low that you're really not going to run into them.
0: When we talk about, and I know the Carbaline product data sheets, when we talk about storage conditions, we're talking about storing material, where you put it somewhere and you plan on it being there for a while. Not transportation, not an overnight low, and, and again, we're talking about solvented materials. If you have an overnight temperature that dips down into 20, 30 degrees, it is not, in most cases, going to hurt your paint. It's going to be cold. It's going to make it difficult to use the next morning but it is not going to have an effect on the properties of the paint to perform its duty.
1: Yeah, let's even take that in the case of water-based paint. I mean, if you have a five-gallon jug, the time that it would take for that to freeze below 32 is probably longer than overnight.
0: Yeah, yep, in most cases,
1: yes. So it's really the difference between freezing and not freezing. Yep. You want to avoid that as much as possible. So with water-based materials, you're obviously not going to store them on a cold job site unless you're just begging to have to repaint whatever it is you're getting ready to
0: paint. Right. And most, most non-water-based, most solvented coatings, that freezing point is way negative. Yeah. Negative 100 degrees. Yeah, you pretty
1: much have to be Rudolph for it to be a problem. Right. So another topic to talk about and to think about a little bit as it gets colder is dew point. Now the thinking about dew point in the industry has actually changed significantly in the last couple of years. They used to always be you have to be five degrees above the dew point, which was like your extra super cautious way of making sure that dew point was never a problem. It'd be like getting in a car and putting on fourteen seatbelts. No, okay.
0: Maybe not quite that many, but I see where you're going.
1: (laughs) So now they've evolved to most people in the industry just require that the substrate be above the dew point. And this is important because unless you're spraying with like a phenolchamine epoxy, something
0: that's moisture tolerant, dew forming on the surface can cause problems. And sometimes those problems are just aesthetic You know, a lot of times you end up with micro-foaming or micro-blisters that really don't cause any deep problem, but they cause an appearance flaw. Yeah, or if it's in the case of a lining. Right. And when you're talking about tank linings, there's always more caution taken. Yep. And it's more
1: problems. So with dew point, the real thing here is to point out to you as the temperatures outside get colder, the potential for dew forming on your surface is higher. That's right. And then lastly... Let's say, now we're not talking about storage conditions here. This, this has to do with the colder temps at night again. You've applied your material. And let's say overnight during the curing process, the temperature drops below the minimum temperature required to cure the product. What does
0: that do? Well, first I think we need to throw that caveat out there again. We have two categories, water-based and not water-based. Okay. Because when you're talking about a water-based product... Again, freezing temperatures could have a dramatic effect on your paint. Sure. If there's still water in it and that water freezes, it could break the chain that forms as your paint is curing.
1: And we talk about that chain in episode number 12 when we talk about (laughs) our tank linings and the chemistry and how that works. So what's important there, there's one other one too.
0: Yeah, so when you're talking about the solvented paints, typically... Dropping below the minimum recommended temperature does not have a catastrophic effect on the coating. And I say, I say typically because there are some that it does. We know vinyl ester coatings in one case are more sensitive to cold weather than most of the epoxies are.
1: Yeah, if you're applying a vinyl ester, you want to make sure that it never drops below that minimum temp because it's hard to get them going
0: yeah, and sometimes it actually just it stops the chain and that, that cure mechanism never restarts. So they, those could be a problem. It's not always the case, but in some cases that is what happens.
1: Yeah, and the thing I, I always tell people with epoxies is when it drops below that minimum temperature, it's not like it, it completely stops curing. There is a chemical reaction. But now those molecules are moving so slowly that it might as there's not any
0: measurable curing taking
1: place and that's the real
0: key that is it's not measurable
1: yeah so let's say you have an epoxy that has a minimum or a coating let's not say epoxy let's just say you have a coating it's not water-based it requires eight hours above 50 degrees to reach a dry to hard cured stage so if overnight it drops below 50 degrees. What you need to do then is just know how many hours it dropped below because those won't count right
0: towards your curing time. And the thing to remember when you come back in in the morning, cure time starts, it's not an ambient temperature. It's a surface temperature. Correct. And depending on the size and the density of your surface, it may be a big heat sink that takes a long time for it to heat back up during the day. Correct. Especially if you're in a shady area and it's cool outside. So those are things that just because now your ambient temperature says you're 51 degrees, okay, start the watch again. It, it doesn't work that way.
1: Correct. Now, you could use it for estimating purposes if you uh, just want to look at, you know, one of the many weather uh, websites just because if you need yeah. some kind of reference, you can use it for estimating purposes. But Yes. It is the steel temperature beca- or the substrate temperature because that's honestly the temperature of the coating.
0: Right. And I would recommend, you know, contacting your local tech service or your sales rep or your field service person. They can give you some, you know, little tips to be able to test how far along in the cure you are. You know, some of the tricks, thumb twist test or a solvent rub test to see if you've actually reached that cure state. When you're dealing with temperatures that are on a roller coaster, that's really the only way to know if timing is critical on whether your coating is cured or not. You're going to have to evaluate it with a test.
1: Let me throw you one more curveball here, and I don't know how much of a curveball it actually is because we just kind of did the answer in reverse. But let's say it's cold outside and it's going to drop to 20 degrees. However, I'm painting something that's 140 F. What's the effect there, Paul?
0: I say you have to watch the thermometer that you're using to monitor the surface temperature.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so think about that. I know it's counterintuitive in one way if it's 20 degrees outside. However, the airspace around that piece of equipment or tank that's operating at 140 degrees is going to be a lot hotter than the ambient 20 degrees. So the real concern there isn't cure temperature parameters. It would be application
0: temperature parameters. And, you know, Jack, that's a, that's a good point. Make sure that when you're looking at the product data sheets that you look closely at those conditions. I know we've recently had some cases here at CarbLine where we've looked at some product data sheets. They weren't ours. We were looking at them, and we knew the technology of the epoxy that was being applied, and we couldn't figure out how they were able to advertise such low temperature application. And then when you dove closer into it and you looked at it, oh yeah, sure, you can have an ambient uh, environmental temperature of negative 20 degrees. However, your surface still had to be 70. And so you need to make sure because every, you know, all of the paint companies recognize as soon as your paint hits a surface, it almost immediately becomes the temperature of the surface. Mm-hmm. And so if you've got a warm surface, the ambient temperature has much less of an effect. on on what's going on. And so that is some of the things that you want to make sure that you understand the wording on your product data sheets when you're starting to know the difference between material temperature and environmental temperature and surface temperature. Because those are all going to be important and and the companies will all have it on their data sheets what those minimum and maximum temperatures are.
1: Absolutely. And I think with that, that brings us to about as much as we can overly summarize about (laughs) cold weather temps. So I hope this was a good review for everybody as we head into the cold weather months, and we'll see you next month. And so, for the Carbaline Tech Service Podcast, I'm Paul. And I'm Jack. And we'd, we'd like, like to thank, thank you for, for your support.
0: Who put the line in Carboline. Who put the line in Carboline. No matter
1: where I go, they don't know what I mean. I say Carbaline say carbo